Hello and welcome to this episode of Why is the World? Uh, I'm your host, Miles, and with me is my co-host, Sevi. Hello, everyone. So uh, on this podcast, uh, we introduce you to different cultures, areas, and debates from across the world. And what are we covering today, Miles? The question is, as you've already clicked on, hopefully, is why was the Moroccan wall built? Yep. So we're going to introduce the place. So the Moroccan, where the Moroccan wall is, you know, there might be a bit of a hint in the name there. Uh, but actually, compared to perhaps some of our other episodes, it's actually going to be a little bit different because perhaps there's a bit more controversy and a bit more, um, well... So I think what Miles is alluding to is Western Sahara, which if you're familiar with geography, you might know there's like this blocky um, like area below Morocco to the south um, that kind of Maritania kind of goes around that is disputed in some ways. And when I heard about this episode, I was like, oh, like the Moroccan wall. Clearly, it's probably a wall that separates Western Sahara and Morocco. Eh, totally off on that. But that was my preconceived notion. Did you have any preconceived notion on this? Well, so uh, just to sort of fill the audience in with a little bit of a uh, sort of what happened is Sevi sent me a text with uh, what was the question of the, the episode. And I did not know there was even such a thing as the Moroccan wall. I was a bit like, uh, uh, what? I was uh, quite quite uh, miffed about it, to be honest. So You were miffed you uh, didn't yeah, know I mean... something about the world? <laughs> exactly, yeah. No, that's so I, the, I didn't know anything. That's the point. I didn't know anything about it. And hopefully this is going to be a new concept for some of you guys as well. So we'll be able to, to introduce this on the very basic level. Um, in terms of... Uh, yeah, that's that's my preconceived notion with it. I just didn't know what it was. Yeah. So now do you know what it is? I'm I'm an expert. Oh, okay. I'm, joking. I'm not an expert. I don't want to say that because there are actually some people who probably are experts in this and I'm definitely not one of those. Okay. But I have done some research on it and I probably did quite a lot of... Um, I tried to get down to a bit more of, uh, you know, about the people or about the, you know, exactly what's happening a bit more. Uh, I actually watched quite a few documentaries on it to try okay. and really get up to speed and understand on... the conflict yeah exactly uh but yeah we'll, we'll get into a, that as you I'm can sure. probably guess if there's a wall it means it's separating two pieces two areas of conflict there's uh, a reason for a wall is yes is what we'll say and it's also it's not just a wall like i i would call it more of it's it's also known as the berm because it's a berm which is a type of wall and i didn't i thought berm was just the name the locals had for it but no like Berm is actually a word that means like something. And what is a berm, Miles? So, uh, uh, technically, I don't know the the definition of it, but but I can describe this particular wall. Uh, it's a sort of a it's on a very shallow ridge across in the desert, and it's about I think the wall is typically about three meters high, made of compacted sand and and rock and other things. So, mm -hmm. um, it's yeah. Yeah, and like a berm, apparently it's a term for like just like a raised area. So a good example is like maybe on some mountains, like the road is a little bit raised because that way it's flat and not on the slope. So that's like an example of a berm. Although it sounds like berms are more like in this case, it's like kind of on the cleft of the desert on like the the, the ridge of the desert as it goes through. Um, and then they just like make it a little bit more square um, and they call it a wall. And it's about 10 feet, three meters high. Sometimes it's shorter, sometimes it's taller. Um, but it's really not the wall that keeps people in and out, is it? 
So are you are you alluding to the levels of militarization on the wall? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. So so perhaps we could come back to this and we could introduce a bit more about the place and, yeah, and no, the people around that. here and, and we can we can come back to the physical defenses of you know what's going on and we can get into how exciting one of my evenings was um in the last in the last week um, uh, and i'll tell you about what i did okay let's hear it i'm all ears uh, well I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you a bit after we've covered the introduction do you want to take us through sort of you know the area of the world we're talking about what it's like the people or or any of those things is there anything you wanted to kick us off i with? love it we're both just like trying to put it on the other person to talk no we we can uh yeah let's go a little bit let's zoom out a little bit so um morocco it's in africa um it's in the northwestern corner of africa yes yeah that's commonly called the maghreb yeah the maghreb uh, no that's it that's a good point i didn't have that written down uh so the the maghreb region is obviously in in north africa uh it's typically um it it has its own culture i should say Mm -hmm. Uh, and and it's separate from probably the egyptian side i think egyptian is egypt is also in north africa but it is a separate distinct culture difference and it's more on the eastern side of the country as well of the continent yeah of the continent sorry sorry you're right of the continent yeah of africa yes um, not the country of Africa. No, definitely. And then it's also, uh, it actually reaches up and touches the Mediterranean Sea and also the Atlantic Ocean. It's kind of like where those two meet. So um, that strait goes right by through Morocco, which makes it a, a big crossroads within the world um, in terms of um, culture. Yeah, and it's how far off Spain? Is it eight kilometers off the coast yeah, of Spain? It, it's close so- enough you can see the other side on a clear day. It's a good way of looking at yeah. it. Badum-bum. Yes, okay. <laughs> and Spain actually has some exclaves in mm-hmm. uh, in Morocco as well. And actually, when I looked up about the Moroccan wall, something that did actually come up as well was uh, some of the walls that protect Spain, those Spanish exclave, and they're some of the most fortified walls in the world. Wow, and it's um, basically yeah. a way that like immigrants have a harder time to get up to Europe. Is that part of the reason That's, for that? So. So those exclaves of Spain are part of the European Union, which is a completely different jurisdiction to um, to Africa, and, and a lot of refugees are able to refugees, asylum seekers, and and economic migrants. There, if they can get into the European Union, that's well, that's where a lot of them want to go. So that's a um, yeah. So I'm correct in my assumption that that's why it's there's a large okay wall and stuff. Okay. Um, I'll, and then this is a different wall, FYI, than the one we're covering in this episode. Um, yeah, it's a uh, the yeah the capital's Rabat. It's um right along the coast. Most of the big cities are along the coast. Um, most of the people within Morocco, um, covering Morocco a little bit more intensely now than Western Sahara, are along the uh, North Atlantic Ocean. Um, and it's like quite beautiful right along the coastline. Um, lots of culture. Yeah. Something. Something that um, is quite surprising for people about Morocco is that Rabat is the capital and not... Uh, there's, there's definitely more famous cities in Morocco. Yeah. Casablanca uh, in Morocco. is, I think, what so you're So Casablanca is obviously... Well, for a European holiday, Marrakesh and Fez are amongst okay. the... You know, some of the most popular. Marrakesh has the fantastic market that people will travel to go and see. You know, there's a lot of photos of that. 
and further up from Fez, there's a the old royal capital of Meknes, which is also another city of great um, sort of holiday destination tourism. That's interesting. To, to... You've heard of all those. I've heard of more uh, Casablanca and then also uh, Marrakesh. I've heard of as well. That's because your your country doesn't do direct cheap holiday flights to to all those no, <laughs> places. And, and if you look at tourism, like it's a lot more European Union than say North America. Yes, exactly. Well, there's a there's a lot of um, you know budget flights that go go to Morocco. Anyway, keep taking us through the. Like, wh- why is it interesting that Rabat is different? Well, it's also it's uh, it's not as populous as perhaps some of the other cities as well. You know, Casablanca is also uh, quite a it's the not just a famous city. place. It's a, it's large and it's. It's got a lot of uh, monuments as well, where whereas you know we don't really have anything that we recognise Rabat with. It's it's quite small. It's on the uh, Atlantic coast rather than perhaps the Mediterranean side. Again, perhaps a bit more surprising because a lot of the other cities, maybe Casablanca's on the Atlantic as well, but the a lot more of the activity does happen closer to the Mediterranean side in terms of population. Um, but in, also in terms of yeah, the physical geography. We also have the Atlas Mountains uh, in the, I'm going to put in quotation marks, the southern part of Morocco. It's more towards the south east side. If, if you look at a map of Morocco, it, it, it follows the coast around. And it follows uh, the coast at a little bit of an angle. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and on that sort of near side towards the continent, there's some very high mountains called the Atlas Mountains. Uh, you know, there's a, a lot of diverse animals that uh, live up there. Yeah. Um, I'm gutted that I missed out on a... So Morocco for me is, is one of those places that I seem to have had potential holidays all my life and I've never been. It just always seems to be that place that seems to elude it me for away. one reason or another. You know, all my friends went hiking up in the Atlas Mountains for... I think it was five days uh, and I was the only one that missed out, but they all got food poisoning. So haha, jokes on them. Uh, <laughs> Sounds uh, like you still yeah, wish you had gone. <laughs> I definitely wish I'd gone. The Atlas Mountains uh, do look really impressive if there's, yeah. I saw that they have the highest ski resort in Africa and they're in the Atlas Mountains. So it's, these aren't tiny mountains. Yeah. Do you know how high the highest point is? So the highest point is Mount Tukal at about uh 4,200 meters or 13,700 feet. So that's a, a little shorter than the Alps. That's about right, yeah, Miles, that's right. right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's correct. So I think Mont Blanc's uh, 4,800-ish. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So just shy of that. So they're, they're big mountains, you know. Yeah. They do, as you said, they've got snow and ski resorts, which a lot of people probably don't guess is, you know, it's quite deserty around that And area as we've covered Maghreb. before, like, because of that, like, there's actually quite a bit of different, like, uh, climate regions within uh, Morocco and Western Sahara because of those mountains and the elevation they, they give. I was, so to go into that a little bit more, when I think Morocco, I think desert. And yeah, it is right on the Sahara Desert. But one thing you don't realize is that it actually has lots of trees. They're able to, like, completely cover their timber knees from their own, like, their own stock of, um, of uh, forests and they actually plant a lot more forests because they basically are want to stop the spread of the Sahara from kind of like overcoming their whole country so they uh, grow a lot of trees um, kind of in between the cities and the Sahara Desert okay that's very interesting yeah uh, is I there learned. anything you can tell me about the the people um 
yeah, so uh, it's definitely a very Arabic country. Um, the that covers uh, sorry, an Islamic country that covers like ninety nine percent of people um, are Islamic, and the main languages going back to the Arabic are, are Arabic, and uh, it's particularly the Daraj Darija um, dialect of Arabic, which is like the Moroccan dial uh, dialect, and then. Uh, Berber is another common language, which is um, a language of the people that have been there um, for, for a very long time within that region of Africa, and they uh, spread out into the surrounding countries as well, um, such as Algeria and Mauritania. Um, and then French is also quite common because the French uh, uh, were there a while, and same with Spanish. Uh, not in terms of the language, but in terms of like Spanish and French, both settled um, in Morocco at one point. Yeah, it's uh, so the, the, the Berbers are a, an ethnic group based, you know, they're, they're from the Maghreb where, mm -hmm. so before Islamification came about, they, they were a nomadic ethnic group. Okay. Uh, so, so it's not necessarily a, a religion, it's a, a group of people. It's, yeah. So you, could, you can be both Islamic and Berber, but um, Berbers prefer to call themselves as um, Amazi. Okay. Uh, the Amazi people, and and they consider themselves speaking the Amazi language. They also have a really cool flag if you want to go and look that up. Um, just quite colourful, I think. Uh, and they, they have their own script as well in Amazi for their their language as well. But uh, that can be an episode for another time. Sounds like a good episode. Wow, that that is a very good flag. Um, <laughs> we'll have to cover. We'll definitely have to cover them just for that flag. <laughs> Okay, um, so is there anything you wanted to give me about maybe Moroccan culture or um, any fun facts on Morocco? Um, one interesting thing is they drink a lot of green tea. Um, that, that actually came, uh, they do that a lot before dinner um, in the evenings. And it's funny because they never drink, drink tea. And then all uh, apparently in the 1900s, 19th century, excuse me, um, there were a bunch of British tea ships that were stuck off the coast of Morocco. So they had to sell their tea in Morocco instead. And it kind of became a trend and like continued from there, which is kind of interesting yep. how like it happens once and it goes on. That's just a fun story. It's less to do with um, maybe all the, uh, the people, but that's definitely part of their culture. And coming kind of going into food, like food is also a huge part of their culture. And then the cuisine there is a um, like it, it, it's quite interesting because it's so influenced by like African from Europe, from the French and Spanish, um, as well as a lot of um, uh, Arabic and uh, Muslim style. Um, and it kind of like it kind of becomes a melting pot. But one thing the country I really saw within them is like they're very good at like combining cultures and kind of making it their own as opposed to like having them um, fight. I would also say that perhaps... Morocco has its own food, or well, it's. I say it utilizes the utilizes the the North African uh, mm -hmm. cuisine a lot, which is you know things like couscous, uh, using pulses, uh, tagines as well. You know they're you know they're, they're things people will go there to to experience as well while they're there. Um, do you have anything you want to talk about in terms of the culture miles before we move on to the question? Perhaps less in terms of the, the culture. One thing I just wanted to say on the future of Morocco, something that, um, you know, I think Sevi and I are quite big on is definitely with renewable energies and mm -hmm. sustainability and, and progressing the planet in that way. 
Uh, Morocco actually have massive amounts of uh, investment uh, to create solar farms and they want to be supplying a large amount. They want to be more than self-sufficient with solar energy and want to supply the EU with uh, large amounts of solar arrays. I think some of the biggest solar arrays in the world are back, actually based in Morocco. Wow. And they try to use a, numerous techniques, you know, using curved uh, panels to heat up um, heat up a gas or a liquid to to which flows along a tube to then turn a turbine. Okay, interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah. If if you're really into that, great. Go and have a go and have a look. And Miles is talking about the future of like solar. They also have done quite a bit in terms of wind. Like they have a lot of off uh, shore co offshore wind. Um, farms in the southern part of their country where it's a little bit less populated that is actually producing quite a bit of uh, green energy for the country interesting okay let's let's dive into why was the moroccan wall built so i think there's lots of questions that come off of that question what do you think is the most important to start with i think the location we, okay. we've alluded to that it's in that western sahara region um, typically on maps, it is called Western Sahara. You'll notice that Western Sahara is not a, uh, a country, an independent country. It's mm -hmm. uh, definitely a disputed area, as we've said, between, um, so. I don't know how it appears on your maps, but on mine, it's usually grayed out because of its disputed nature. Depends. Um, depends. I'd actually really like you to actually have a quick look about what, if it if it's still that way on updated maps uh, that we're currently as of uh, the day date that we're recording we're in twenty twenty one, I've seen both. Actually... That's why I've seen it like as part of Morocco, but I've also seen it as um, more of a disputed okay. area. You, you'll you'll understand why I'll, I'm I'm okay. going to ask you to do that um, as we go on. So, Western Sahara is about eighty percent of the area is currently controlled by Morocco. Mm -hmm. uh, they they call that their southern provinces, mm -hmm. uh, and the the eighty percent that is controlled sort of follows the coast up, um, much like Morocco. Um, yeah, proper, much like I guess we can. Yeah, and and by follow up, Miles means it kind of like goes in a northeastern like direction as it follows the ocean towards the Mediterranean. Yeah, and and the wall's about two hundred kilometers from the coast as well. So it's quite a bit of land. Yeah. Uh, and and then the remaining twenty percent is they they say it's is it the Polisario Front yeah. who that's control the name of the, the military area. force. Yeah. They're the military, or they call themselves the Liberation Rebels. Mm -hmm. um, how that differs from a terrorist organization is actually quite a blurred line. Mm -hmm. I couldn't find anything that. That explicitly differentiated a liberation rebel group from a um, from a terrorist organization. I'd actually be really interested to see. Um, you know, please. I did DM see us that. And, and I did see touch. that the Polisario Front. Um, they represent the Sahrawi people um, of the Sahara, and even the UN recognizes that they represent those people. So maybe there's some way to distinguish it within there. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Whereas maybe a, a terrorist organization doesn't like have people or as many like I uh, it doesn't represent a whole people group. Yeah, maybe, a culture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and that brings us on to the the other sort of actor in this uh, area, which is 
the Sahrawi people, where they want to create an independent Sahrawi Arab Democratic Republic, mm-hmm. I believe is the is the full name. Uh, and they want to have independence of all of the Western Sahara province. Exactly. Uh, and that's that brings us on to the bit of the conflict. So do you want to take us from here? Yeah, I, I also want to go back a little bit and talk about how, um, like, you you may ask, like, why is Western Sahara where it is? And, like, what broke it off in that way? And it to go back to what I alluded to earlier, like, kind of the French and Spanish um, broke up Morocco um, or the this area of the world um, because Morocco was controlled... Um, this area of the world was controlled by like kingdoms for a, a long time. In fact, like when the, uh, when the Ottoman empire kind of took over like a large swath of Europe and North Africa, they actually never took over Morocco. Um, they, they were able to protect it. But again, um, the point is the, the French and Spanish kind of broke it up and the French had the Northern part and the Spanish had the Southern part, which is now Western Sahara. And basically, uh, Morocco gained independence and the Southern part was still quite, um, uh, disputed, and so the Spanish basically gave it up as well, and they gave it up between Mauritania and Morocco as like two separate places. Um, but then other groups kind of came in, um, and within the citizens that kind of formed the Polisario Front, um, and that also added like kind of more conflict. And from there, we kind of get into the situation we're in now. Um, Spain ceded the territory around 1975, um, and uh, in 1979, actually, Mauritania like stopped claim at all to Western Sahara, even though that they, they were given part of it, and it's because they didn't, I think, want to be part of that conflict. So, in 1975 was the reason why that date is uh, why Spain actually gave it up. Then is probably to do with the fall of Franco, Franco of Spain. Oh, okay. So that's when um, Spain stopped being a fascist dictatorship, and and with that with that democracy movement is, um, yeah. That makes sense. They, they, gave, up, they gave up that claim. Uh, in terms of Mauritania, they actually reached a peace treaty with the Sahari or the Polisario Front mm-hmm. uh, to, as a peace deal that they would have that, um, that, that territorial settlement so the where they were no longer yeah. going to be interested in pushing their boundaries north. Um, I think... In those early days as well, that's when a, a lot of Moroccans went down into Western Sahara, mm-hmm. and that gave, um, and that's why Morocco started to claim it. And if you look at maps online of the Moroccan Wall, you can see that it moved. Mm-hmm. Uh, it moved. It sort of moved down as. So that, that that's spread. a good way to allude to like there's actually six walls, and they kind of. If you think about it, it's kind of like they cut a chunk southward that kind of makes an arc to the ocean, and then they cut another chunk and another chunk. So now the wall just follows like that 200 kilometers away from the ocean, but in fact, they like slowly sectioned it off and kind of built up more over time. They actually, uh, to give you a kind of a timeline, they built it from 1981 to 1987. So um, it was over the course of like a little bit under a decade. Do you know how long the wall is? No. Okay, so it's the second longest wall in the world. Really? So is the longest the uh, Great Wall of China? That that is correct. Okay. It's a, obviously a good guess. It's got great in the name. Yes. Uh, but it's about two thousand seven hundred kilometers long. Okay. Which is the same distance from Rabat. Okay. 
to Copenhagen. Oh, wow. Uh, and to put that in uh, perhaps an American perspective, that's the same as New York to Denver. Okay, yeah, so no, it's, that's, it's a very long wall. It's a, it's a long wall. And again, it's and, not like a big wall. It's like, it's, it, it's more of a berm, but still, that's very impressive. Yeah, and the wall actually goes right almost all the way down to Mauritania. It, it goes very, very close to the Mauritania border. Yeah. Uh, and it, as, you, as you said, it, it arcs down and then cuts across to the ocean. It does that almost per, parallel to the Mauritania border at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in theory, there is a sliver of land that the Polsario Front have access to the sea. Uh, I don't know if they use that, though. I don't know if that's used. Uh, one of the, the other parts of that is I, I said to you that I'd talk about how I spent one of my evenings this week uh, following on Google Earth the Moroccan war. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, and I see. This is what on, you were alluding to. Yeah. And actually, the Moroccan wall goes into the Mauritanian territory. If you oh, follow it on Google wh- Earth, it actually goes southwards is? into... No, it goes along the... So Mauritania's border with Western Sahara is in theory a straight line. Okay. Uh, a parallel line. Or you call it, is it a... a latitude? Is it a latitude line? Is, uh, upper, up north, south, or east, and west? East, west. Yeah, latitude. But, but you call them, is it a parallel or... Oh yeah, parallel. Is, you know, yeah, no, okay, and, yeah, no, yeah. a parallel is one thing you could call yeah. them. Yeah. In, in my country, we don't have straight line borders, so yeah. I, I don't know what you call it. Uh, but the the Moroccan wall actually uh, dips into uh, Mauritania if you if you follow it, and then it goes up to the northern. I'm guessing it's not a settled part of Mauritania. Yeah, it, it's all desert out there. It's yeah. all desert. And if you follow that's, the that's wall, that's a good thing to say. Yeah. If you follow the wall, you will find um, a lot of, I guess, military bases, like small military bases or like little forts. Yeah. All the way along the wall. I heard they were every like four kilometers um, about. And then there are bigger ones like at, at larger intervals. And they even have separate fronts that are farther back to um, provide extra um, troops and supplies. Yeah. So it was definitely an experience doing doing all of that. So I can't believe we haven't talked about the landmines yet. This is a, There's also quite a bit of landmines along the berm and in this area. Um, to protect anyone crossing over. And I, it, it's not just landmines. There's also um, lots of, uh, like, like we were talking about the troops, uh, like barbed wire, like fences, the berm. But um, in fact, it's not confirmed, but it's arguably probably the longest chain of landmines in the world um, along this berm. I did not know that. That's, um, yeah, fascinating. Because if you think about it, like a, 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 three, a 10-foot wall, 3-meter berm, like it's it's not hard to get over in terms of just like an individual. Um, and obviously like there's lots of troops, but they can't cover troops along this whole wall. Um, and that's why the, like the landmines are a, an important part of that. And there's definitely more landmines in other areas around the world, um, more scattered over regions, but this is the longest line of them. Um, okay. Yeah. So another thing on the, the wall it's, and, and its defenses is, you know, why, why are they so, why do they need this level of protection? Mm-hmm. Why uh, do you know anything about about that? About the so it's about the conflict with the Polisario Front, isn't it? 
Yeah, and uh, so I think we should also talk like there has been a ceasefire since 1991. There's a little caveat to that, um, which we'll talk about soon, I'm sure. Um, but basically, they signed a ceasefire, and Democratic or uh, they've been trying to work out ways to get around this for a long time. And there's been lots of plans through the UN and through other bodies to try to uh, resolve the conflict. And I'd say the underlying tension is what you alluded to earlier, where um, the Sahrawi people want independence, right? They want Western Sahara as kind of like their region, because um, that is the region they occupied. Um, whereas uh, Morocco does not want that. And Morocco, um, they're willing to like, they talked about like declaring independence in terms of like uh, um, government and other stuff for these people in this area. Um, but they still want it to be part of Morocco um, in like as a like kind of as as a separate region um as a southern province yeah and one of the reasons why the polisario front say that morocco want to keep all this area is there's enormous fishing potential you know if you have a longer mm -hmm. coastline you have much more of a so I, th I think it's some of the richest sardine uh fishing waters in the world and then the other thing is phosphates uh there's large phosphate um Reserves about seventy percent of phosphate reserves are in Morocco. Yeah, I saw two thirds, seventy percent. Yeah, similar. Yeah, and so they have the biggest Morocco's biggest mine is in the southern provinces or uh, Western Sahara for phosphate. Yes, for the phosphate, and it produces about ten percent of Morocco's phosphate. Wow. So, so you could argue that they are. Uh, you know, it, it, there is a strategic importance to the land for for both sides. And and phosphate's mostly used in agriculture. Like I think I saw like forty percent of the um people like have jobs to do with agriculture in Morocco. So you can see how important that is to like stimulate farming in the country. Yeah, and as an export, if it's seventy percent of the world's yeah, the th uh, like seventy percent of the whole world supply. Like think about that. That's not like in one area of the world in this one like. And Morocco isn't tiny by any stretch of the imagination, but it's also like, it's tiny. It's not one of the larger countries. So it's pretty impressive. That's actually something we've missed out. We haven't spoken about how big Morocco is. Yeah, so, so how big is Morocco by area, Miles? Like, what's, what are some comparisons? Depends on what you uh, constitute Morocco. So I know that the size of Western Sahara is about the same as the UK, about 250 kilometers squared. Okay. Um, the actual size of Morocco, I I've had reports that it's probably about the same size as Sweden and yep. Uzbekistan, but I never found out whether that was including this southern provinces or western Sahara. I, I was doing a little bit, and I think it does um, include the uh, western Sahara, and I would, I, I'm pretty sure it includes the whole thing, not just the like small part that they have claim over right now. Um, but another example is like Iraq is another country the area is close to, and same with California. It's a little bit uh, smaller than bit smaller in california that's quite funny that uh this wall is in let's say a half of the area of california and yet stretches from new york to denver and i think california is a good example because california also follows the coast and is long and skinny um arguably morocco and western sahara if combined are even skinnier than that yeah um i think it also goes to the point of like when you look at a map usually africa's a little bit more con pushed together and condensed so it doesn't seem as big as it really is um and 
Um, that, the that really Mercator projection, yes, right? Yes, bad Mercator projection. But that's a diff- that's that sounds like a fun separate episode. Okay, Miles. So we've covered like a lot of like the Moroccan side and kind of like how the berm was and probably most of the questions. So now let's go a little bit more on the Polisario front. Like, like what what are they like? What what's the um, culture, but also like the um, influence from their side or their perspective? Yeah. So the the Polisario front or the Sahawi people, they're predominantly also Berber, and they they, they will speak uh, a mixture of languages, including. Um, native berber languages uh which was the amazi language okay and we had uh they speak arabic they actually speak french and spanish as well uh when i was watching these sort of documentaries on it it seemed like no two people spoke the same language it it just it was just a real cacophony of just different languages and that shows you the influence in this region over time yeah exactly and the the people of the Sahrawi are, as we've said, they're, they're typically desert dwelling. Uh, they were at one point nomadic. There are still nomadic people in that um, sort of Polisario front occupied area. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if you look at it, you, you see that it is complete desert. Um, so, so where do, you know, they're military. They're, they're an organized military. So... They, they're actually organized from a town. They're headquartered in a town temporarily uh, in Algeria. Okay. Uh, which is... Which, you know, so what's the connection uh, between them and Algeria? So Algeria actually support the Polisario front. Okay. Um, I don't know how much of that is actually... Uh, I don't know how much of that is financially because most of the finances for the Polisario front come from humanitarian aid for okay. things like food and, and clothes and i think water. in terms of more of the weaponry and like defensive strategy it comes from algeria yes that's right yeah and so so that that sort of um area is in the tinduf province which is there's a, there's a very small section where the western saharan area actually borders algeria is the name of where they're uh where they're occupied tinduf yes that's okay. right yeah and there's a lot of refugee camps there as well and to to get the the aid that they get only really supplies them temporarily and for short amount of times because the polisario people do not recognize that as their current home okay so they can't be seen to be settling so sense. they they choose to live on this temporary uh, poverty-stricken uh, aid. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's that's, that's really what, how they view fascinating. it. Fascinating, and 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 that way, the idea is to like live there until they can like actually go home to Western Sahara. Yeah, and and I, I, I when I watched some of the documentaries, those um they showed people near the wall, mm-hmm. um and they have people that sort of sit in trees with um weapons, and they have tanks and and military vehicles as well. Uh, but what surprised me was they have an extensive network of tunnels that people live in and people live in there for up to two months okay. at a time. So these are the forces that are on the front lines of the Sahari people of the Polisario yes, front? Of the Polisario front who engage in guerrilla type warfare. And they're very much, uh, as you can tell by the fact that they have tunnels as they're very, um, 
like a ambush style and, and very underground forgive the pun it makes a lot of sense given that like it's the desert and like you're gonna be a lot cooler underground and it's it's a great way to regulate temperature yeah exactly and, and something else i wanted to talk about was um we've, we've spoken about this sahawi arab democratic republic mm-hmm. idea is um how many people actually recognize this do does anyone recognize it because yeah. we've alluded before that you can only be a country if other countries say you can is that's a really good question i'm curious what the answer uh, is <laughs> uh so the so we're going to call them the sadr just for short uh the sadr they maintain relations with 31 un states okay and it's actually a full member of the african union yeah i did see that and and when they joined the african union morocco left because they they did not accept anyone else accepting you know morocco think they they should own it and this uh this the SADR think that it's theirs as well in the same map. And a quite quick fact, they they like rejoined uh, recently and there was like some, there were some disputes on whether or not they should rejoin. Not everybody accepted them back in. Yeah. So that was in 2017. And actually the story has progressed even further from that. In 2020, in the, the last few months of the 45th president of the United States, mm-hmm. Donald Trump, he made the choice to recognize Morocco as having full sovereignty over the Western Saharan region, ah. which incidentally became the first country to recognize Morocco's sovereignty over the provinces. Okay. So, right, and that's part of why it's such a disputed region is because lots of countries don't recognize it as Morocco, but they also don't recognize it from the perspective yeah. of the... So, so the it used to, be, used to be no one recognized Western Sahara as being Moroccan. They'd recognize Morocco uh, north of the provinces mm-hmm. or Western Sahara, but they wouldn't recognize any uh, occupation or any rights to the land south of that until uh, the Americans now officially recognize Morocco did that create a chain? Did others recognize it after that? I don't think so. Because it's interesting, because like you said, Trump did it in his last two months in office. Um, yeah. And that's why I wanted to ask you whether you could find out on your maps that you have, whether it's shown on an uh, American IP address, if America owns... We're doing this live, Morocco. everybody. Um, let's see what, so I'm seeing uh, a little bit of both, but most of my maps have Morocco and then instead of a solid nice line down to Western Sahara, they have like dashed lines. Um, so I think okay, that's and, kind and of... that's the same in, in the UK. So that actually yeah. hasn't come through on a lot of, uh, a lot of the maps that you're seeing so far. But, uh, maybe uh, that will change. Let's yeah. see what 2021 has And Google has Maps in does, in fact, show different people different things depending on where they are looking at the map from. Uh, yes, it's very cunning. It, <laughs> it flatters everyone. Yeah, which, like, as an independent company, makes a lot of sense. But also, I know it's caused problems in the in the past, but that's a different story. If you're curious in that, you should Google it. But I'm um Yeah, so shall we give a nice succinct answer to why was the Moroccan wall built? 
Yeah. And it was built uh, mostly by Morocco as a way to um, claim more territory within Western Sahara and to uh, basically prevent a lot of uh, conflict from the uh, Polisario front from kind of um, in reaching on that territory, even though like technically like they both have have claimed the area um, and it's kind of a conflict between the different people groups of the area. Um, is that a good way of putting it or how, how would you put it? I would say, yeah, I'd say the same. I think you've done a, done a good job in, in summarizing that. Uh, it, it's hard to work around all the political and other stuff like that, but it's definitely um, yeah. built and hopefully in the future, like I, like we talked about, there's been lots of attempts to resolve um, and to come up with a, a resolution that is uh, conversation and yeah. not uh, fighting and we'll see it's, if it's also quite to happen. Yeah, so it's also important just to say that there are many layers to this conflict and and controversies. Uh, we can't cover all of it in in the time that a we have to uh, to go over it. For the podcast and you know and it's take even more it's you know a, a topic that really needs an expert to to describe every single thing so we've just given the the highlights and, and to give one more kind points. of viewpoint at it from more of the people perspective like the have you heard of the thousand column demonstration um there was a so miles is shaking his head we <laughs> we heard uh so in 2008, they started a demonstration every year called the Thousand Column Demonstration. And it's where people like join hand in hand along the wall in like a large chain to kind of demonstrate um, the fact that the wall exists. Um, so uh, hopefully the grassroots movements like that and the people can kind of um, resolve the issue and come together. I know that's utopian view, but uh, definitely better than the alternative. Cool. So that is a wrap on episode number eight. Miles is showing me yeah, eight fingers. I know it's eight. Uh, he has seven written in front of him. So uh, I just wanted to make sure he got that right. It's episode eight you've been listening to. And don't forget to subscribe to our Twitstagram at Podcast Wise the World and join in. And we're going to have a few uh, previews and uh, we've got some exciting things coming up as well. And you can be a part of that. Yeah, and definitely subscribe on your podcast app of choice. Um, we're not going to tell you which one to use. You figure that out. Um, I've been Sevi. The other guy's been Miles. <laughs> yeah, and as they say in Morocco, au revoir. Ah, oh, it goes with the French one. Uh, and as they say in Morocco, bishalemo. <laughs>